WebCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the Executive Director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Two weeks ago, we had uh, on this show U.S. Attorney David Hickton to talk about the crisis in opioid and opiate addictions, uh, particularly prescription drugs that lead often to heroin addictions. Um, since that show, we've had uh, a very tragic case uh, just a few days ago here in McKeesport where uh, two parents uh, were found dead of a drug overdose. It, it, um, but we do know that four children are left without their parents. Uh, we talked with Attorney Hickton about the criminal justice side of uh, opiate addiction on the line right now to talk about the public health side of opiate addiction is Karen Hacker. She is the executive director of the Allegheny County Health Department. Dr. Hacker, good morning. Good morning. The the, the figures are really stunning. Um, in, in preparing for talking to you, one of the things I learned is that 78, I believe, percent of people who are being treated for heroin addictions got to their heroin addiction through a prescription drug addiction. Is, is that sound accurate to you? Uh, you know, I haven't seen that study in terms of numbers. Uh, when I was in Massachusetts, because this had really started in the East Coast even earlier than it started in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. we actually talked to individuals who were users of our needle exchange program, and the vast majority of those individuals had started with prescription drugs. Okay. Now, many of them started actually with uh, the, what we call the benzodiazepines, you know, like Valium and oh, those kinds of things. So tranquilizers. And then trans- yes, and then transitioned to... Uh, Vicodin, Percocets, and then Oxycontin, which seems to have been, you know, the Oxycontin um, experience in the early 2000s uh, where this was just being prescribed and the drug companies were basically saying it wasn't addictive, seems to have just increased this uh, phenomena exponentially. Well, one of the things, that, when I was um, still a daily newspaper reporter, um, the story started to emerge, as you alluded to, in the early 2000s, late 90s, of, of what they were calling and you'll pardon the expression, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, they were calling it hill, hillbilly heroin because it seemed to be mostly an Appalachian thing and it was Oxycontin and Oxycodone and as you said, they were being overprescribed and people were getting addicted to them. I found a story from 2001 um, where they were quoting someone from the CDC who, who said in 2001 that, well, this right now is, an, is a regional problem on the East Coast and in Appalachia, but if we don't get a handle on it, it's going to be a national epidemic. And here we are 15 years later, and it's a national epidemic. So I, it's, it, it, was, right. it was very sad for me to, to read that and say, wow, uh, this, was, this was sadly accurate. Um, tell us some of the names of the, the prescription or, or the, the trade names, the trademark names of some of the drugs that we're talking about. Well, the Oxycontin, which, was, which you know, came out from Purdue Pharma early in the 2000s, um, was the one that everyone was most concerned about because the formulary... Uh, was supposed to not be addictive, and then what happened was individuals were able to break the coating on it and actually uh, shoot the drug, and it, it was extremely addictive. Uh, we saw a large number of people, you know, often teenagers, for example, or, or young adults, it wasn't that they were only using this. They were using this in addition to alcohol and, as I said, the tranquilizers and things like that. Um, I can tell you the town that I worked in, they had 19 individuals die over the course of about five years. 
which was a lot for a community of about 70,000 people. So Purdue Pharma finally woke up and basically said, uh-oh, we better change the formulary. But by then, we already had a number of people addicted. Now, the oxycodons and the, you know, what I was often called Percocet, mm-hmm. there's just a large number of these on the market. And the main issue was not only that this was being overprescribed, but there was also a whole thing going on in medicine where we were trying to get a handle on pain. And yeah. pain became a vital sign. Literally every individual who would walk into the office, even in an outpatient clinic, would be asked if they were in pain and would have to identify how much pain they were in by... The, you know, the pain scale faces. with the smiley faces, yeah. That's right. right. That's right. So, you know, there was a big push not to let people get into pain. So even for those who were coming out of a procedure, they were being told, take the medication, for example, before you start to have pain. It's much harder to get a handle on it once the pain really comes back. So there was a whole wave going on there. And then while this was all going on, heroin was getting cheaper and cheaper. So this this sort of triumvirate or perfect storm, people are often calling it, seems to have really laid the groundwork for what we're dealing with today. Dr. Karen Hacker is director of the Allegheny County Health Department. She's also an adjunct professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. You can get more information uh, about uh, the health department at achd.net, including uh, the report Opiate-Related Overdose Deaths in Allegheny County, which is um, one of the things that uh, has really gotten my nose open, so to speak, about this. We had 422 um, documented overdose deaths last year in, in Allegheny County, I believe is the figure. I think so. Now, remember, those weren't all from opioids. So okay. We, in the report that we did, we actually uh, looked only at those that were that had some element of an opioid in them, right? Okay. So, you know, obviously people can die of overdoses from alcohol, other drugs, things like that. So I just wanted to... You know, I, I, overdose clear, but, of almost yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But there is, you know, the one, one of the things that I think has been very helpful is now our medical examiner data is being fed into this overdose-free PA website. So mm-hmm. literally, you can just go to that website, and you can see the data on Allegheny County at any time. We're also very lucky in our county because our medical examiner has a laboratory. So we get the information on the cause of an overdose much faster than many other jurisdictions in Pennsylvania. Um. You, you were talking about pain management, and that was something that, that in, in, in some of the background material that I've been reading, that, that was something that, that really changed about 20 years ago, that, that pain became a, 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 a more important. Doctors started to pay more attention, attention to it. We started to see what were called pain relief centers or pain management centers, um, doctors saying that they actually tra- specialize in treating pain. There are people who are suffering from chronic pain, correct? Especially as, as we have an older population. Oh, Absolutely. And then, of course, you have, you know, the cancer scenario. Uh-huh. But there are also people who, for whatever reason, are, are, have had neurologic pain, you know, have had chronic pain syndrome. There's a whole variety of those. And the whole pain management arena, I think, is growing but still has a long way to go. There are a variety of things that are often used. It's not just these oral medications. You know, they may be using alternative care types of treatment, massage, acupuncture, things like that. They use uh, electrical stimulation. So there, there's a lot of different things that might go into it. There are also medications that are used to treat particularly neurologic pain. Okay. I, I don't want to beat up particularly on OxyContin, but that is the the one, honestly, the, you know, as I'm talking with the McKeesport police and, and with some of the other agencies in this area, that is the one when they're picking up people who are carrying prescription drugs illegally, you know, OxyContin, 
and Vicodin seem to be the two that they find right. most frequently. How are those related? If you can kind of give us a layperson's perspective or, or explain it for a layperson, well, anyways. Both of them are, you know, they're, all the opioids are related to each other. And they they're related to morphine, different. right? Yep. Okay. And they all just have different time frames, and some of them may have slightly different side effects. Uh, you know, when you think about Percocet versus Oxycontin, it may also be the combination of the pain medication plus aspirin or Tylenol. Okay. So, you know, when you are in need of these, you know, you're coming out of surgery and you're in need of these, it's always good to ask your physician what they're giving you. Some people may respond differently to different medications. Uh, some people will have nausea and vomiting, for example, from certain uh, pain meds. So, you know, part of the challenge here is that these medications are very useful in certain situations. Uh, the problem is that they have a highly addictive potential. And so, one of the issues is if you're giving out Vicodin because you had a tooth pulled and you're giving someone 30 Vikes or Vicodin, uh-huh. um, do they really need that many? And then what happens to the unused pills? They sit in someone's medicine cabinet and it's a great place to go when there's a work person in the house or there's a party in the house or something like that. We hear stories all the time about rifling of medicine cabinets for these kinds of medications. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, in, in particular with, with, with you know, OxyContin and, and the similar drugs, a, as you alluded to, these are long-acting drugs. What, when, when they were prescribing morphine, for instance, and, and we knew um, certainly by the Vietnam War, possibly by the Korean War, just how addictive morphine was and, and how dangerous morphine was, um, but these, those were shorter-acting uh, medicines that were being delivered. The, the difference, as I understand it, with the, the, the new formulations is that they are these 12-hour, supposedly, formulations that, as you said, you can scrape the coating off of. I, don't, I, don't, I hope we're not telling anyone anything right. they don't and already you know. Re- you should remember that, you're right, that was the original situation, okay. that most of these medications lasted about four to six hours. Right. So what you would get for someone who was in pain, obviously, was they'd bottom out in the middle of the night or, you know, whatever, and then they'd have to get up, and by that point their pain had come back right. and takes time for it to work. Um, so the 12-hour concept was uh, certainly very helpful in many ways. Now, the formulary that you're talking about, though, that has been changed. Okay. They did change it. You can no longer do that. So uh, that was a particularly problematic issue. And as you probably know, there's a number of states that actually sued the drug company yes. want based on that particular formulary. So. Uh- now, whether, you know, when, but here's the thing, the two medications that you're talking about right now that are the things that are found on people, those aren't necessarily long-acting. Okay. You know, those are definitely the four- to six-hour kinds of things. Okay. So, um, you know, but they're fairly expensive on the street if someone's trying to use them um, without a prescription, and that's where heroin comes in because it's so much cheaper. I- uh, and. It's available, and people often start by sniffing or snorting it, uh, and then um, then they move to IVs. I, I, this is, that's a good place for us to take a break. When we, I want to take a quick 30-second break here. When we come back, I want to ask you uh, exactly about that mechanism of addiction, and again, sort of explain for the layperson why these things are so addictive and, and sort of what sort of chemical treatments, generally speaking, they are having, uh, the, the effects they're having on the body and brain, Okay. Dr. Karen Hacker is our guest this morning. We are talking about uh, opioid and opiate addiction. Particularly, we're talking about uh, prescription drugs such as Vicodin and Percocet and Oxycontin, which can lead to heroin addiction. We'll be back in 30 seconds. 
Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation, celebrating 36 years of supporting community health programs and services for you and your family. The foundation works with UPMC McKeesport as well as through the Mon River Fleet Partnerships in Braddock, Clareton, Duquesne, and McKeesport. If you would like to make a donation to the McKeesport Hospital Foundation or find out more about it, visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. Dr. Karen Hacker is on the phone with us. She is the director of the Allegheny County Health Department, and we're talking about prescription drug addiction and um, the sort of uh, epidemic that we've had of uh, addiction to opioid and opiates, uh, which has led to uh, an increase in the heroin addiction problem as well, Uh, not just in Allegheny County, but throughout the country. We had uh, attorney David Hickton uh, on two weeks ago. You can find that interview on our website, TubeCityOnline.com. Before we took the break, uh, we were getting into the fact that that what happens here is, is people get addicted to one of these prescription painkillers and then they can't afford it anymore or the prescription runs out and they end up on heroin which has a very similar uh chemical formula and and has very similar chemical effects on the brain i was wondering if you could sort of for the layperson, for the non-medical person explain what changes in the brain and the body that that these addictions uh begin well these uh medications create a sense of euphoria Okay. And, you know, when I say euphoria, like you feel really good, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they create the same kind of um, experience. You know, we talk about the runner's high. We talk about all those kinds of things, you know, the endorphins that we release when we're in a really positive place, and they have a similar kind of effect on the brain. When they're treating pain, you know, usually if a person's in pain and they're taking it, they're not really experiencing the high from the medicine, they're really just experiencing the relief from the pain. Sure. What these do is they basically essentially block your experience. They're not really affecting what's causing the pain. They're really just blocking the experience. So the problem occurs when the pain is sort of resolving, but the high is starting to get better, and then the person starts to like that experience and starts to seek it out. So the longer you're on it, obviously, the higher the addiction potential. And then we do think that there are some people who are just at higher risk for addiction to begin with. And there's been lots and lots of research done on that over time, you know, whether or not there's someone in your family with addictive uh, issues, those kinds of things. Um, There also seems to be pretty good evidence that some people are treating other mental health disorders, like depression, for example. Or, you know, you'll hear heroin addicts, you know, you often will hear that they got started because... Um, there was sexual abuse going on. And, and heroin particularly has what we often call a dissociative uh-huh. experience. And I don't know. You sort of go outside of your, terms. you, you kind yeah, of like go outside, kind of outside of your body. Of whatever's yeah. happening to you. So, you know, that description of this is the way I get out of what my life is like, you know, the, the challenges of my own life. Uh, I don't think most of the people who get addicted to the oral opioids ever really thought of themselves as going to a needle. Right. But the issue of taking heroin via needle is the high is a much more rapid high and much more intense. And so then once you're hooked on that, it, it becomes even more difficult to get the individual to go into recovery. Dr. Karen Hacker is director of the Allegheny County Health Department. She's also an adjunct professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. You can find out more about uh, prescription drug addiction and about the impact in Allegheny County by going to the health department's website at achd.net. You also mentioned another website that people can get more information from. I I think David Hickton mentioned the same one. Can you give us that address again, please? Yes, I believe it's uh, it's www.overdosefreepa.com. 
And I think it's .pit.edu, I believe. Oh, okay. He gave us, I think, overdosefreepa.org. Uh, I will double-check that before we get off the air yeah, today. please do. Please okay. Do. Um, so so we, we, we were just talking about the, the effect that these prescription drugs have, the, the withdrawal symptoms that people feel, which leads them then to seek stronger and stronger drugs more and more often just to avoid the withdrawal symptoms. Talk to us very briefly about what some of those withdrawal symptoms are. So basically, uh, people describe feeling like they've had the worst flu that they've ever had in their life. Stomach problems, sweating, just feeling absolutely awful. It's the kind of thing that nobody wants to be going through. You can really see why an addict would be seeking out um, additional opioids or heroin to be able to make sure that they don't go through those symptoms. Why are we having so many, it, it, it seems like, overdose deaths is the heroin getting stronger are there more and more people um trying it what what's what's happening i mean i'm probably oversimplifying here well there's a couple of things and i I don't know that we really know exactly why this is certainly we know that there are more people who seem to be addicted so we definitely have a, a larger number of individuals addicted to these medications addicted to heroin who then certainly are at risk so I think, you're, I think you're right. Number one is people do not know what they're getting when they get heroin. Okay. And what we are seeing now is that heroin could be mixed with, could either be a very strong uh, heroin mixture, which an individual may not be prepared for. It could also contain something called fentanyl, which is sure. another uh, opioid, but it is a, like 100 times stronger than heroin. And now we're even hearing about... Uh, Carfentanil, which I believe is an animal tranquilizer, painkiller for animals. So we're starting to see these mixtures. And uh, the bottom line is you don't know exactly what you're getting. So that's one thing. And then the second piece is what I mentioned earlier, which is if an individual is abstinent, they have been in recovery, they had been in jail, any place where they were basically not doing the drug anymore, and they for whatever reason, which we know is part of addiction, end up going back to the drug, they certainly could go for the same dose that they thought helped them before and find that it puts them into an overdose situation. Those seem to be some of the major issues that we're seeing that are causing overdoses. There have been studies, you know, some people were saying, are people trying to kill themselves? Is this really suicide? There's very little evidence to ever show that individuals who overdose, went, those who survived, were actually trying to kill themselves. Most of them were just trying to get high. Uh, some may have been seeking the strongest high they could get. You know, you, you, it's a difficult challenge for us in public health because when you hear about these really strong mixtures that we know could be quite lethal and you put out the information about it, you will always have some individuals who want to get that medicine at that level. You sure. know, excuse me, want to get the heroin at that level. Yeah. Exactly. So um, it, it's... It's a tough scenario uh, in terms of trying to dissuade individuals um, or make them aware that these particular batches could be out there. That's one of the areas where our medical examiner is really helpful because they can, uh, you know, if, if the individual is found with a stamp bag, they can actually analyze that stamp bag and find out what we're dealing with. 
Dr. Karen Hacker is director of the Allegheny County Health Department. Uh, the website, you were correct. Uh, the address is overdosefreepa.pit.edu. But if you just go to Google or Bing or whatever and type in overdose free PA, you're going to get there. It's a, what's called Pennsylvania's Town Square for overdose uh, information. You can also find out more information from the Allegheny County Health Department at the website achd.net. We have one more uh, quick break to take, Dr. Hacker. When we come back, you, you've segued into some, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which is what are some of the burdens that this places on the public health system and what steps can ordinary people take, for instance, if their doctor, as you were alluding to, wants to prescribe a painkiller, what are the questions that they should ask and, and, and what steps can they take, what steps can the doctors and the nurses and the pharmacists take, okay? Absolutely. We'll be back in 30 seconds. You're listening to Radio 81 WEDO. 1550 and 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel. WMCK.FM, Internet Radio, and TubeCityOnline.com. We'll be back for a final few right after this. Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation. Since 1976, the foundation has addressed key concerns that affect our good health, as well as our education, social needs, recreation, safety, and security. The Foundation partners with UPMC McKeesport and other agencies to eliminate barriers to all services for all residents of the Mon Valley. Visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. And we're back for a final few minutes with Karen Hacker, Director of the Allegheny County Health Department. We're talking about uh, prescription drug and heroin addiction. Uh, Overdosefreepa.pit.edu will get you more information uh, about that problem. And for general information about the health department, you can visit achd.net or call 687-ACHD in area code 412. When we took the break, I asked you, what are some of the burdens that we are seeing right now on the public health system, meaning our um, first-line emergency responders, our hospitals, our our doctor's offices? What what problems are they seeing because of this? Well, I think the fact that they're seeing a larger number of people who are addicted and not quite knowing what to do and trying to get them into treatment, and I do believe that the treatment uh, side of this whole equation is not where it needs to be to be able to support the numbers of individuals that really need to be in uh, addiction treatment at this point in time. So I think there's a, a real sense of frustration and, and what can I do to help these individuals? I think from the public health perspective, you know, the, the burden of mortality and morbidity, which is death and disability related to these things, is just going up and up and up. And so, you know, it, that ultimately impacts the public's health overall. Uh, you know, the families that are impacted by the loss of loved, loved ones, all those types of things. Uh, we do know that there are certainly many, many organ systems that are affected, particularly when people are using IV drugs. Okay. And that has to do as much with uh, the heroin they're injected, but also with all of the other things that are in the heroin and, you know, potentially even uh, dirty needles. And now we're talking about HIV and, and hepatitis, hepatitis C, sure. yeah. right, uh, which we're really seeing increase in the highest risk is in doing IV drugs for hepatitis C. Uh, so... People who are on IV drugs end up with uh, cardiac problems. They end up with uh, various issues within their entire organ systems, most because of these um, things that are within, you know, they basically are mixed into the heroin that then uh, circulate in the body and cause additional problems. So those individuals end up in the intensive care unit with, you know, have to be on medication for very long periods of time to, to try to handle these diseases. But, you know, if you think about addiction, the whole nature of addiction is that, you just keep going back to yeah. 
you know, you really develop this love affair with the drug. And that also means that, how are you, you know, you just talked about these people in McKeesport who recently passed away. Who's taking care of their children right. when this is going on? Right. Who's actually going to work and able to take care of the family? And so there's an additional burden on society as a result of all of these things also. Um, it, it, you know, we've been dealing with addiction since, since basically heroin became illegal, which is, you know, in the early 1900s. Yeah. But this, this rash over the last 10, 15 years, I think, is, is really caught, as, as you said earlier in this discussion, has really caught people um, off guard in a way that I don't think that anyone expected. And, and simultaneously, this isn't an area that people have ever really wanted to talk about, right? You know, yeah. Those, those it's something addicts, that people like to sweep really under the rug. talk about that. Yeah. That's right. So uh, there's a lot of stigma involved, a lot of those kinds of things that we have to be able to break through if we're going to try to address this problem and get the individuals who need treatment into treatment. We, we are running short on time, and unfortunately we are not even close to uh, exhausting this topic, but before we go, there, there were a couple of things that gave me hope. One is that um, earlier in the half hour you said that uh, people can get clean, their bodies can be reset to baseline level, um, which I think some people may think that, you know, well, once you're addicted, you can never get off, but that sounds like that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely. There are num- there are thousands of people, uh, tens of thousands of people who are in recovery. Uh, it takes a lot of work. We yeah. consider this a chronic kind of condition, and so there may be times when the individual falls back, similar to alcoholism. Sure. But we know that there are things that work. There's the 12-step programs that we know about, and now more and more we're learning about where we're calling medication-assisted treatment types uh-huh. of uh, strategies. My feeling is anything that gets the individual back to some time of normal behavior. And so if they have to be on something like buprenorphine, which is a medication, to be able to get their life in order and then wean themselves off of that or methadone, uh, my feeling is they're in better shape than going to these intense highs and lows that you see with heroin. Well, the other... So I think there's a lot of new strategies on the agenda, you know, on the radar screen that we're starting to see, including more longer acting types of buprenorphine um, and I think that there's a lot more focus on treatment right now than there has ever been, as far as I'm concerned. Well, the other thing that um, strikes me is that they, they also have to have whatever the underlying condition was, whether that was a pain management strategy that they were originally trying to take care of, or if it was, as you pointed out earlier, um, depression or anxiety that they're trying to escape from. The underlying medical condition has to be treated as along with the addiction. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. One last thing I want to ask you, what steps can ordinary people take? I know there is an increased awareness among public health professionals, pharmacists, doctors, nurses, about prescription drug addiction, but what can ordinary patients who might be listening to this, what steps can they take um, if, if they're worried about themselves or someone else using a prescription painkiller? Right. So if they're worried about somebody in their lives who's using a prescription painkiller, I I think the first step is being aware of the fact that these are highly addictive medications. The second thing, though, is if you do believe that somebody you love or someone in your uh, family, whatever, is is, uh, addicted to these medicines and uh, is really how do you get them into treatment? How do you try to convince them? And I would suggest that you have naloxone around. Naloxone is the medication that reverses an overdose. And while it doesn't do anything for treatment, it keeps people alive so that they can at least get into treatment. I, 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 uh, I would say... I, I was going to say... I, I just I, wanted to say one other yeah. quick thing. It's just is that I do think that family members of addicts also need support 
it's a very challenging thing to deal with. It is not simple. And I think that family members need to also seek their own support structures so that they can handle this kind of situation. I, what I was going to say is that I apologize for interrupting you, but we are so short on time. Um, uh, Mayor Mike Terepko here at McKeesport uh, reported this week that uh, the McKeesport police are now carrying naloxone and are trained to use it. Um, and I believe the, the next step is to get the fire department as well uh, trained. But of course... That's only to, to help save someone from an overdose, of course. It's not to, to prevent or treat addiction. Um, I also want to mention, too, and I learned this from the Allegheny County Health Department's website, that if you have leftover prescription painkillers um, and you need to dispose of them safely, that in McKeesport, the McKeesport Prescription Center uh, on Evans Avenue uh, is a designated uh, repository or a drop-off place uh, to dispose of safely prescription painkillers. The pharmacy at UPMC McKeesport Hospital also uh, will dispose safely of prescription painkillers. And uh, as Attorney Hickton told us two weeks ago, that's one way to keep those drugs from making it on to the street. Uh, the website for more information, overdosefreepa.pit.edu. You can also go to the health department's website at achd.net, or you can call them at 412-687-ACHD. Dr. Karen Hacker has been our guest. She is the director of the Allegheny County Health Department. She's also an adjunct professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Dr. Hacker, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us again today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright 2015, Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated, WEDO Radio, or those of WZUM 1550. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution or find out how you can underwrite this program, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online.